the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. <clears throat> Jesus said to the twelve, See, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to the councils and flog you in, the, in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will betray that brother to death, and the father his child. And children will raise up against parents and have them put to death, and be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The Gospel of the Lord. <clears throat> I am fond of Paul, very fond of Paul. He and I have much in common. We're both trained scholars. We're both converts. Both stubborn and single-purposed, and a little over-enthusiastic. Obsessed, you might say. And both of us had significant theophanies. We've heard Paul in Acts tell of it himself, how he was stopped on the road to Damascus, struck blind, led to Christian communities to be taught the gospel. I'll get into mine later. But why Paul? Probably because God needed just a Pharisee, a learned Jew trained in Greek philosophy, to get the word out to that culturally mixed group of stiff-necked, quarrelsome, dispersed Jews and urban Gentile converts from Jerusalem through Greece to modern Turkey and finally to Rome. He was the one. Paul really was the first Christian theologian. He's as much a doctor of the church as any of those who we've named after. We know there are a lot of Paul haters out there. He said bad things about women ignoring ignoring the fact that he gave clerical authority to a number of women. Remember, he sent one to Rome to, to represent the church and to carry monies. A lot of those house churches were run by women and had the authority of, of presbyters, if not bishops. The advice about keeping quiet and wearing hats was either interpolated afterwards, or he was trying to head off those who were telling stories about the early Christian communities that were right up there with fake news from Fox Network. They were saying things that, like the 
the early Christians ate babies and had orgies. So he would say things like, look guys, in public, act like the Romans. Keep your heads down. And it got to be a thing after his time. It's not what he was talking about. Same thing with the marriage stuff. It either came later. He was saying, let's have some stability. This is a pretty fragile church. So let's just keep to the old ways for a while. Or he didn't say it. He called himself a true apostle, referring to Christ's appearance to him. I had a dearly beloved Jesuit mentor, a priest, now gone to glory, who insisted that Paul not only was an apostle, he was the last apostle. Why? I don't know. It was some Roman Catholic doctrine, and he was very, very obedient to all doctrine. But I always felt that Paul was kind of pushing himself in with the remaining 11. Ego? Or maybe to just give his driving mission credibility. A spirit-given mission that drove him tirelessly, tirelessly, ultimately, to his death. Apostle simply means a person who is sent. So he fits the bill. But so do all of us through our baptismal vows. That makes you a prophet, me a prophet, me a prophet, and everybody out there prophets, if God puts words in our mouth. So what else do we say about Paul? We know he was an evangelist in his community through his letters of instruction, and in Acts, he threw as a public witness to the pagan world. He preached in the synagogues, and he preached in, in, in Athens. And I would say that although his although prophecy is, is one of the gifts of the Spirit, and he, he listed very often I don't see a word about Paul as a prophet. And I would say that he was just that. Was not his first development of a theology giving meaning to the crucifixion and resurrection and insisting that his scattered communities of Jews and Gentiles hold to that one, one gospel, a work of a prophet? So what is a prophet? Not a fortune teller. A prophet speaks the words of God, as Moses did when he faced Pharaoh, as Elijah and John the Baptist did when they took on a forbidden marriage to bring a couple of kings back to the law, as Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the rest of them did when they warned people of the consequences of their misdeeds. God told each of them what they were to say and what they were to do. Often the call from God comes with a miraculous event, the burning bush, angels on a ladder, 
For some, the recognition just happens, and we don't know what that invitation was or where it took place. For me, it was a theophany. Not an imaginary or hallucinogenic dream, but a physical confrontation in a locked church, and the voice I heard as I huddled on the floor filled with fear and love was very real. You are mine. It took me such a long time to untangle what my next step was. It was decades. I kept trying. It was not until I stumbled into the Church of Our Savior during the pandemic, and with the guidance of Brother Richard Edward and the Brotherhood of St. Gregory, that I was led to vows of religion and gave me the voice of a preacher. Paul, still Saul, stumbled into his true vocation on the road to Damascus, and his plan to assault and arrest Christians was thoroughly turned on its head. Helpless and blind, he needed to be guided and taught. Only then could he reach the voice of the Spirit to evangelize and prophesy in Jesus' name. Father Richard Rohr has chosen the way of the prophet for this year's spiritual work. This is a time when we need prophets. But how do we know we're speaking for God? It takes training and discipline, that is discernment, to know what the Spirit is saying and if it was the Spirit of God and not the father of lies in a God suit. Remember Jesus in the wilderness? We've seen false prophets. The MAGA movement is one example. Another was all that heartwarming slogan and, and, and uh, folklore and music and dirndls and later hose that convinced the German people to sign on to the Thousand Year Reich. That was a time that was also fraught with anxiety and fear, as is a farce. And the good and the not so good are seeking a prophet to save us. But Jesus saved us, and only God the Father chooses the prophets he needs to accomplish the work he wants. But it doesn't make the life of a prophet easy or sometimes very long. We can only feel a longing, something unfinished, missing, that can draw us to open our hearts to God and allow those gifts of the Spirit to flow in. That uncomfortable something telling us that there's something left to do. And when we say yes, no matter how hard or dangerous, peace settles in our hearts. That just may be a call to be a prophet. 
You know, the same poor souls as our first theologian, the man who fought against Christ's gospel until he was told to proclaim it. An evangelist, a teacher, and yes, a prophet. He is our brother in our pilgrimage of faith. Brother Paul, pray for us and for the church. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.